that intrigues me. <laughs> Welcome back. We're glad you're here on this uh, overcast Tuesday as we continue through the second letter of, from Paul to Timothy. Um, we pick up today where we left off yesterday, the sixth verse, um, as Timothy has been commended by Paul, and now um, Paul continues in a kind of new direction here. Let me read a few verses. We'll stop and we'll discuss them. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. These are great verses. Uh, A charge to Timothy. This word rekindle is... Um, really, it's a word that means to keep something burning, but not something that's gone out. It doesn't mean to rebuild a fire. It means to stoke a fire, to continue to um, give it fuel. And so th- this idea here, Paul is encouraging Timothy to, to keep this within you, to, to be passionate, to have this faith continue to burn in you, to provide warmth, And then wonderful verse here, verse 7, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And keep in mind, this is said in the backdrop of calling Timothy to leadership. So what do leaders need? They need courage. They need not to back down from their task. They need a spirit of power, but to do so out of love and self-discipline. I think, Michael, these are they're, these are an example of the way that Paul can occasionally just put entire sermons into a few sentences. And I, I think, you know, this is the kind of verse, these two verses, you could unpack these for a long time. There's a lot in here. So I did allude to verse 6 today, yesterday. So if you missed our study, jump back and check that out, uh, especially the end there. But what I think is fascinating is this connection to a faith that extends back into the lives of those people who we consider our mothers and fathers of the faith, those who have carried the torch from one generation to the other. And I think that language of rekindling is beautiful here because there's a sense in which every generation must nurture the flame that we've been given. Every generation of Christians seeks to carry on and faithfully pass on the faith that we have received. And What is, I think, amazing about this passage is how it flows effortlessly into the gift that we have been given. Notice the word gift, right? It's not a thing that we've worked for or achieved. We can't consume it or acquire it. It it has been given to us. But the Spirit of God who works within us brings with it power, love, and self-discipline. The the striking thing, Clint, is uh, I actually— heard verse 7 a lot growing up, that we've been given a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And unto itself, it is a, you know, inspiring kind of verse, right? The idea that we would have power and love and self-discipline, that we are out in the world um, sort of championing the gospel is a compelling image. But you got to connect it to the context. You, You have to remember that that is the spirit that lives within this timeless faith passed from one generation to the next, that we uncover these gifts literally in the context of community. And that is, unfortunately, the most difficult place to practice 
the spirit of power and of love and self-discipline, right? Is in the midst of community, midst of people who we need to have self-discipline and love for because they get on our nerves. I, you know, there's a beautiful kind of nuanced complexity to this section. And Paul is both preaching and he's mentoring and he's encouraging and he's doing it all at the same time. I think you're right, Clint. Uh, sometimes you see just condensed sections, and I think that this is definitely it. But be careful to not read it out of context. Yeah, I think an entire, I, I suspect an entire sermon could be preached on verses six and seven. You know, the the idea of rekindling, of staying passionate, of staying connected to your faith, of continuing to burn bright and, and give off warmth. And then this idea, I mean, we are, we are not to shrink back from the challenges of our faith or the challenges of the world. We are not given a spirit of cowardice, but of power. But I, I think it's so wise of Paul. I think we see the wisdom of this man and his, the depth of how he understands Christian leadership that he says, that is a power of love and self-discipline. It is not a power over. It is now not a power to overthrow. It is not a power to control. It is a power to love, and it comes through conquering oneself, being disciplined, com- continuing to walk the path of Christ and stay the course. And that is the way forward. That is the kind of power. It, it, it is power is a dangerous word if misunderstood. And I think Paul is wise to temper it here with these um, very helpful words, love and self-discipline. So, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more, Michael. Great stuff. I, I just want to point out this is a little bit less true in Greek, but in English, I think there is a theme through these passages that's helpful. When, when we look, if we go like to verse 3, you're going to see the word remember, and then you're going to see in verse 4 the word recall, in verse 5 the word reminded, and here in verse 6 the word rekindle. Um, re means to do again, right? To, to repeat, to do over. And so remember, recall, remind, rekindle. I, I just, that if I were, again, if I were preaching this passage, I think it'd be very tempting to grab those words and talk about how what we do over and over again shapes who we are. It not only shapes who we are, but it gives us time and time again an opportunity to discover more depths than what we knew before. I, I think your comment about self-discipline is helpful, Clint. You could speak more than I about that image that Paul uses elsewhere where he talks about physical discipline and how we discipline our body. That that happens every time, right? Every time you do another push-up, it gives you an opportunity to stretch further and further and further. And we sometimes forget the amount of effort love takes. Uh, we think of love often in an emotive sense, but love as a Christian conviction requires practice. It requires those who set their minds and hearts and hands and feet to the task of love, and we will only grow that muscle as it goes. So I, I think self-discipline is the exact right word, and it's striking because when we read the Bible, we do so often without the full context of the of its writing, right? We're not the original community to receive it, in other words. But it is clear as we come to this letter 
that uh, Paul, as he's going to come in verse 8 here, is going to show that there's some stuff going on in his personal life that Timothy and the community in Ephesus would have known about. It's important that we remember that that we should at least interrogate or ask questions of the text as to when we see this idea of God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, that doesn't mean that we go run into dangerous situations. It, it means that God is with us even in the midst of whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. It's just to say we should read the scriptures with some thoughtfulness, with some historical awareness, because I think that that opens to us readings we wouldn't have if we just sort of sat down and read the Bible like like a nonfiction book or something like that. Yeah, and I think we, we want to—I I just briefly want to go back again to this phrase, and you mentioned it, Michael, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. And tomorrow's passage, as we go on, we'll see that— um, Paul says this from difficult circumstances. So Paul here, I, I think, understands that life is difficult at times. Life can be overwhelming. There are hardships. There are struggles. There are difficulties. There are disappointments and tragedies. There are reasons at, in various moments of our life where things get heavy and get hard. And I think in those moments, this is a beautiful reminder. God did not make us to give in. God did not give us a spirit that shrinks back, that is made small. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, of fear. God equips us to move forward. God comforts us in our difficult times. God encourages us to move on, to be rekindled, to be renewed and remade. And I think, you know, if if you happen to be one of those people that find yourself in a season of difficulty, this is a wonderful promise. God did not make you to shrink back from the challenges of life. This is a, a challenging word to the church and to us as believers in those moments where life is difficult. And I, I think just a it's just a wonderful reminder that God calls us not to be small but to stand out in the power of his love and in our self-discipline our discipleship to move forward in the name of Christ and to be ambassadors of Christ I think it's a really again what we've kind of actually done it Michael we said we could preach a whole sermon from these verses and we've come probably pretty close. Yeah, I, I think it, it what strikes me, Clint, is how often the Bible seems malleable to our own preconceptions. And if you come to the Bible with this idea that real strength is power over another, then this idea that we don't have a spirit of cowardice may resonate. And you might turn to words like this and find in it support for that perspective. But if you allow this text to live over Jesus Christ, if, if you, my, my daughters have um, this thing that they do where, where they take, um, it's like a transparency and they can color in the transparency and they can put things on top of it and, and you can see the two things together. It, it, it becomes a kind of blending of the two things. If you allow Jesus Christ to be superimposed over this text, 
you see that a lack of cowardice is willing to climb the cross, being willing to pray for forgiveness for those who stand at the foot of execution. It looks like a kind of cosmic strength that we cannot even comprehend. And yet, it is a strength rooted in love, of self-giving, of service. I, Yes, I, there is a, I think you're exactly right, Clint, there's a sermon-esque element to it. But I, what strikes me in a text like this is, whether you're a Christian leader, Paul's writing to someone seeking to serve in a Christian church, or you're a person who is a Christian living in the world, which is every one of us trying to live in the way of Jesus, then these words should be our marching orders, that there is nothing that we should uh, refrain from that shows the love of Christ to another person. There's no um, challenge that should keep us from exercising the spirit of power within us, which is for the sake of another, and which by definition that self-discipline, it reigns our own selfish uh, desires in. I mean, that is, man, I mean, if if we could write that one sentence, uh, we would feel pretty good about that day's work. <laughs> um, and this is a beautiful exposition of the gospel. Yeah, great challenge, I think, to all of us as we read these verses to be rekindled, to have our faith renewed, to burn bright, the, the idea of a flame that doesn't go out, that continues to burn and to be reminded that God has not called us to small living. God has not called us to shrink back in fear. God has given us power to love and to serve and to grow in faith. And that and that's the promise we receive through Jesus Christ. That, yeah, really, really wonderful verses today. Uh, I, I would say... If, if you've been with us thus far, keep on. Join us again tomorrow. Join us for the next conversation. There's a way in which going as slowly as we are is both instructive and it also obscures the way that this is all interconnected. So join us tomorrow. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, if you find it helpful, certainly give it a like and share it so that others might be able to join the conversation. But uh, until tomorrow, be blessed. Mm-hmm.